Happy 2020, Kyle. 2022. Oh, 2022. <laughs> it's all the same. As I just said, time is a weird soup. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> makes sense anymore. Oh goodness, We're basically in the same Groundhog Day that we've been in for the last two years. It's well, okay. it's our first episode of 2022. It's January. And that means our entire team here at National Headquarters in Alexandria, Virginia, is working behind the scenes on the World Conference. Yes, we are. And Club Business Expo. So we are just about a month out from this annual event. It is the industry's largest gathering of club management professionals. And we are so excited to give you guys a preview of what you can expect in California. I do want to do a plug because not only can you join the World Conference in person in sunny and beautiful San Diego, but we also have a virtual option this year, which does give you access to six amazing general and business sessions and fe- and great featured speakers. So Absolutely. Even if you can't get away from your club, um, it is a great opportunity to engage with the World Conference and all that it has to offer. Yes, definitely. So for this episode, as Melissa mentioned, we are all here at headquarters working like busy little worker bees to get everything ready to go. Uh, We're packing boxes, we're working on signage, we're working on all sorts of things uh, to put together our favorite annual event. Um, But in this episode, we're going to give you all a little sneak peek at a couple of things related to World Conference. First, we have the pleasure, as always, to sit down with our big boss man, uh, Jeff Morgan, to talk just a little bit about his his takes on World Conference. He's going to give us um, a rundown of where he sees things right now, um, what he's most excited for, and some of his sneak peeks of like favorite things to do in San Diego that maybe aren't conference but stuff that you can explore he's our i guess we're going to call him our one of our in-house san diego experts since he goes out there a lot (laughs) he has some things to share (laughs) and then we're going to move to an amazing um, interview with Dietra giles who is one of our concurrent session speakers she's going to talk on um, that all important topic of attracting and retaining your team dive into this concept of employeepreneur, uh, really a great conversation, um, even if you're not attending World Conference to hear her. Uh, oh my goodness, yes. We could have talked to her all day. <laughs> Absolutely. So please enjoy these next conversations with Jeff Morgan and Dietra Giles. Well, we are excited to sit down with our CEO and president, uh, Jeff Morgan, one of our favorite and long-tenured guests here on the Let's Talk Club Management podcast, uh, and also who signs the checks. So, remember, oh. <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Thanks, Melissa. It's great to be here again. I'm always happy to be on with you, too. I appreciate it. We're always happy to have you. We're excited to sit down and chat a little bit today. We're going to do a quick check-in on how things are looking for World Conference. We, we're less than a month away now, which is bonkers. <laughs> I can't believe that we're so close. And we still feels like we have a lot to do, but we're all, you know, trudging dutifully forward and getting all of our things done. We're really excited to be together again and, and see people in person. So I think one of the first things we wanted to do was to do a little quick check-in on 
you know, an update for, for how, how is conference looking? What, what do you have to share, Jeff? Well, I am like you all are just so excited about conference because I can't wait to see everybody. It seems like it's been forever since we've had our last conference. And even though it's, it's been a year and that was virtual, it's been two years since we've been in person. The, the neat thing is, is, as we all know, our CMA members work in a COVID environment day in and day out. So they are not afraid of coming to conference and our numbers of our registration numbers are extremely strong. Um, we're about a month out as we record this and currently our pace is a little bit ahead of our normal pace. Um, so, and while because of vaccine requirements and other things, we don't expect to, to get a lot of on-site registrations. Uh, we expect our attendance to be absolutely strong, as strong as it has been over the past X number of years. So that is exciting. And our vendor showcase is very full. We're not quite sold out because we have more space this year, but I think we have some 30 plus new uh, uh, exhibitors and that is exciting. Um, we're going to have a great party uh, networking event um, you know, in the Gaslamp District and all the other cool things that, that our members expect, um, including we've brought back the, the golf tournament for CF and it's out on Coronado and I have actually played there and it's just a beautiful, beautiful spot and a nice course to play. So there's just so much going on and I can't wait to, to see everybody. It is just going to be, uh, I, I, I am counting down the days. We're all we're all counting down the days. <laughs> Maybe and for we all have reasons. stress. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we all have stress, as we all know. Anybody who does big events, and whether it's in a club or in at, at CMA, we all have pre-event stress because we have a lot that we're doing um, and a lot we're packing up to to go. And so, um, you know, I appreciate my team doing the the COVID dance or the the Omicron dance to, to get everything ready in and out of the office and get our boxes ready. And, you know, it's, you know, we're doing what we have to do to, to make sure we have a great experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what are you most looking forward to with conference? I know you mentioned the golf tournament and like being on Coronado and that's beautiful. And like, honestly, you could be terrible at golf and just go hang out over there and you would probably have a great time because it's so wonderful. Um, but what, what is, what's like on the top of your list? For me, it's the people. I mean, it's it's the members. I mean, I've had the the good fortune of traveling a lot over the last six months and seeing members, and it's just such a cool experience um, of of those occasions where I've been, you know, sort of the first gathering of the members, and everybody is just so happy to see each other and be with each other. And uh, you know, World Conference is the event, and so you know, for club management professionals. So just being with everybody and seeing everybody in one place and feeling that joy that everybody's going to have with being with each other is just going to warm my heart and warm all our hearts. And, you know, it's just going to be, it's a cool experience. And, um, you know, I, I have, I was part of a conference post nine 11 and it was sort of the same thing where you had this big catastrophe. And when everybody came together, it was just such a, such a neat event. And while this certainly isn't the same circumstances, it is a, um, has been a catastrophic, you know, type of event. So just, just the people. I think I agree with that. I think we're all, you know, though we all have varying degrees of, 
of maybe COVID risk aversion, I think being together kind of supersedes a lot of those those tentative feelings that people may have. I know, you know, we get a lot of questions like, oh, is it, are you guys still having the event? Is it still going to happen? And yeah, we're still going to go. We're going to go. We're going to, we're doing everything on our end to make sure it is a safe um, experience for all. And obviously we ask anybody who's attending to to help us in that endeavor, right? You know, we've, we've put some safeguards in place and, um, but that's so that we can get together and, and be together and have this reunion that Jeff's talking about, right? Like we want to do everything we can to, to continue forward in as normal a sense as possible, even if, you know, half of our faces are covered with masks. <laughs> yeah. And I, I appreciate you bringing that up because there, there is, we're, there, there is no, from my standpoint of this going virtual we are in person um you know and if the state of california shut us down that would be the only way however we have seen the regulations in california change over the last week which to me says it's business as normal and we fit right in with our vaccine requirements and masks fit right in with the protocols expected in california so I expect those protocols to be in place through February, which covers us. And so it is full speed ahead. And I, I see nothing. Well, uh, you know, some, I, I, I don't see any reason we would have to be shut down versus us deciding to shut down because our members want to be there. Our partners want to be there. Our vendors want to be there. Um, I'm next week going to the PGA show and a couple of weeks after that going to GCSA. You know, we are all. Um, moving right ahead and this is because this is what our members want mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely and and each of those experiences will also be taking all of these safety measures too so yep. you know again it's it's just about kind of this covenant that we have with each other right like we're all promising to come together and be on our best behavior so that we can continue to have the privilege to be together <laughs> Exactly. We don't want to mess this up, friends. Um, all right. So, Jeff, you're a frequent traveler to the San Diego area. What are some of your other, you know, other than conference things that we have on the list, what are some of your, like, favorite San Diego spots or things to do? So, I, I do go to San Diego more often than not just because my son lives there and his girlfriend. So, I get to go out there and they get to take me to all the cool places. So... I'll give you three. One is Liberty Station, and Liberty Station is a formal, for, former naval training base that has been converted, and there's um, a food hall there, there's a brewery there, there's a miniature golf course there, there's lots of artisans there that have set up um, outlets um, to sell their wares. It's very cool history and architecture, and it's a campus-based environment, and it's it's an easy Uber ride um, from where we are out there. So if you have time, that's a place to go. I know our members are into to food and beverage. So two other sort of very California places that my, my son has taken me. One is, and I'm going to use the term, and I don't think it's a real word, a kombucheria, um, <laughs> but it is basically a brewery for kombucha. And they have lots of taps with lots of different flavors, and it's called June. June Moonshine Kombucha, and yes. it is to me, it's just a cool experience because um, you know they have all these flavors, and you either like kombucha or not. But um, to get a flight of different flavors of kombucha is just a sort of a very California thing. The other sort of California thing is to go to a meadery. So a meadery, M-E-A-D-E-R-Y, 
is another um, sort of brewery-based um, thing. And the, the place that I've gone is Lost Cause Meadery, and it is basically alcohol made out of honey. So it is very sweet, but it is it is awesome. And if you've never had mead, uh, you know it is something cool to go to. Lost Cause Meadery, and they they're like the award-winning um, place um, for meaderies, uh, in the United States. So, uh, it is two of those are, you know, all of them are fun, but you know, for our members, if you want the, that California experience of something different, that they, those might appeal to them. I can confirm the kombucha situation from when we lived in Southern California, it, like every farmer's market we went to had multiple kombucha vendors and they all had the same situation multiple flavors on tap that you could sample and try uh 10 out of 10 recommend so i will jump on board with that for sure and it is very different than buying kombucha in a bottle it's it's fresher it really is enjoyed it's refreshing yes it's delicious recommend all right melissa do you have any other questions for jeff I don't. I, I'm just excited to be um, in San Diego in February and what it will hopefully be warmer weather than the rest of the country has experienced uh, leading up to it. I was going to say that might be the thing that the rest of us are most looking forward to is just being like warm. Warm. Yes. And the warm again. So. Yeah. One of the other, you know, speaking of which, when we get out there, since we haven't been there in a couple of years and I realize we're winding down, so um, is You'll, you'll see this cool big band cell out um, from the Marriott out in the park that is really awesome. There are also um, Seaport Village, uh, which is right by the Hyatt, um, a building away. They have been upgrading that. And so there's a lots of new restaurants going in there. And um, it will be a work in process when we are there. Um, so that is starting to happen. Uh, I, I've also heard... I saw a story that the uh, Marriott is planning to put in some some top pro or top golf type bays, um, you know, that I'm not sure will be in when we go out there. But, uh, you know, I think that is coming soon. So lots of new things to look at just out your window when you're at the Marriott or the convention center. Well, you can't beat those views. Anytime no. you can see water all day long, it's it's really the best kind of place to work. Absolutely. Yes. Well, thank degree. you both for, for allowing me to pop into your podcasts and get excited about conference with, with you all and hopefully everybody else is too. Of course. Well, thank you for sharing some time with us, Jeff. We always appreciate your insight and your perspective. And uh, as you mentioned, we're all pretty excited to to get to conference, to get the show on the road, literally. So <laughs> um, we look forward to seeing everyone in just under a month. It's almost here. So <laughs> we will let you go so that we can get back to planning and getting all of our things done. Um, but until then, we're, we're happy, to, happy to see you and happy to chat, Jeff. Thanks so much. See you in San Diego, everybody. Awesome. Well, we are excited to be previewing many of our education session speakers on the podcast. And first up, we have Deetra Giles, who is the Chief Executive Officer of ExecuPrep. Um, we are excited to talk with her today about this topic, which is so relevant for so many of our listeners, and that is attracting and retaining high performers in your organization. She is going to be speaking at the Conf- at World Conference on Wednesday, February 23rd. She's in the 8 to 9.30 
spot. So uh, grab your Royal Cup coffee and settle down for a good conversation. So we'll get a little preview going. Deetra, thank you so much for joining us today. It is my pleasure to be with you all this morning. Fabulous. So tell us about this term. This it, it's a great mashup of the word employee and entrepreneur, employeepreneur. Yes, it's, uh, it always trips people up. They're like, wait a minute, did you spell something wrong? Did you put too many letters in? What happened here? And I'm like, no, it's not a mistake. It is employeepreneur. And what people often think when I say employeepreneur is that I'm coaching employees to transition into entrepreneurship. And I am like, that is absolutely incorrect. I'm an entrepreneur and I can tell you it's highly overrated. Uh, you might want to keep your day job. <laughs> Let's start here. But for me, employeepreneur is really about managing your career like the business that it is. People often think in order to be an entrepreneur, I have to have an LLC or an S Corp or I'm registered with the state. And I step back and say, no, my background in human resources says if you aren't managing your career like a business, then you are doing career wrong. And so you need to take those very same attributes and characteristics and techniques that entrepreneurs use to run their business to run your career. And that's why we have employeepreneur. I love I that. Love I've never thought about thinking about my career that way. Um, but that makes so much sense. Maybe I've been yeah. doing it wrong this whole time. You've been the whole time. I tell people, I tell all of my clients, especially my, I do a lot of executive coaching for top mm -hmm. level executive C-suites, people that want to get to the C-suite. And I tell them, you are a multi-billion dollar organization and your career is your product. And if you are not managing your product well, then you are failing at your career. All right. Well, I know where I, how I feel this morning. So. <laughs> going to take this and we're going to, we're going to keep working on it. But I, I mean, I love that. I love that definition. So thank you for sharing employee with us. Um, continuing in that same vein, can you give us some of your thoughts on attracting talent in today's market? You know, kind of the flip side, right? Like we were just talking about um, marketing yourself as, as an employee, but from the other side, how can you attract that talent and what should our listeners be looking for? So the first thing you have to do is, and it's staying in the same vein, talking about employeepreneur, oftentimes in HR, when I go in and consult with organizations, the first thing they say is, we need to fill a position and get us bodies in the seats. And I'm like, with whom? Because if you get the wrong bodies in the right seats, you'll have this endless churn and burn of people coming and going mm -hmm. out and you're losing new people just as fast as you got the old ones. And so the first part is, what kind of people do you want? Now that takes us to a second question is what kind of people can your culture support? Those are often two very different things. They would say, I want a superstar, but you have a subpar culture. You don't have a superstar supporting culture. And so we have to kind of oftentimes put the cart before the horse, especially right now in the great resignation and the reality of people often say, especially on the HR side, we do research. I'm a professor also, so I'm a researcher. I give everything in a normal way, but I'm actually a nerd in my head. So, you know, I'm a researcher. People will say, well, people are just lazy. They don't want to work. And that's why there's a labor shortage. And I'm like, you all know, do you not realize we've lost a million people from the labor force? There is literally a people shortage. So mm -hmm. the great resignation is happening for a number of reasons. But one of those reasons is 
because let's be real, unemployment ain't that great. No one's out here driving to Bentley on unemployment, right? <laughs> no. So the reality is we have a people shortage. And the question that we have to now ask is, what type of people are we attracting and how are we optimizing that to make us the most attractive place for the limited people that we have? And so the cart before the horse is we need people, we need people, we need people, as right. opposed to how do we keep what we have and get? And so oftentimes I'm saying, let's reverse this. Let's slow down. I know you're, I know you're hemorrhaging at a shortage of work staff. I know, I know, I know. But if you don't do this part, you're going to hemorrhage even worse because it costs a lot of money to bring people on and lose them in less time than it took for you to get them. Absolutely. We, we've actually talked a lot on this podcast in previous episodes about company culture and how culture really is a driving factor in not just attracting new employees, but like you said, retaining those superstars, keeping people on board who recognize their you know place of employment as somewhere that they want to be, that they enjoy spending time, that they feel valued and that they get something out of being there and not just I go to work, I punch my clock in and then I do my job and I punch my clock out, right? Like there's something Absolutely. more meaningful about their time spent there. And so I guess my question um, would be like, what are some things that you would suggest to, you know, to our listeners, to clubs in specifically, like how do you go about what kind of tweaks can you make to your culture to keep those people on board, to keep your superstars engaged and you know, feeling valued and wanted. So I am going to say something that's going to blow everyone's mind. So I'm like, prepare yourself, go put your caps on so that your brains don't go everywhere. Just keep it together. But the reality is most people are overthinking this. They're yeah. thinking way too hard about it. And by overthinking it, one, like, most managers, there are surveys done. And when we look at these surveys and the data shows that managers very infrequently say thank you. And thank you is the main thing that people want to hear. So they're trying to scrape up money. I'll give you an Amazon gift card. How about you just say thank you? It's all about that. That's huge. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm going to hard agree on that because just showing like gratitude to someone for a job well done is like, uh, oh, I'm recognizing that you come in every day and that you've been busting your butt and working hard. And I'm just going to say, I appreciate it. Thank you for doing that. Like, oh, okay, wonderful. I feel so much better now. I'm like, what an epiphany. Oh my gosh. We have hit the summit of Mount Everest where we have the shaman that is like, let me lay some knowledge on you. Um, you know, and here's the other thing is take ownership of the situation that you're in. What many of our leaders are doing is it's your fault we're understaffed. It's your fault you got sick. It's your fault. And take ownership. I am sorry that we're in this situation and I really need your help. You will be amazed because first of all, everyone wants to feel needed and wanted. And you just made me feel like I am the, the linchpin in making this thing successful. Oh my gosh, I am now king, right? <laughs> Yeah, so absolutely. take ownership. It's not my fault that we're short staff. Right. Like I, I'm here. I'm here. I'm, I'm at work. I'm not, I'm not the problem. Right. And we punish those people. And this is the last thing. The last thing where I say people are overthinking it mm -hmm. is stop trying to use your own brain power to solve this problem. Ask your staff, what do you want? What are we doing wrong? 
what do you think we can do to attract and keep more people? They have the answers because if you had them, you wouldn't be asking this question in the first place. <laughs> That's absolutely on point. I think Melissa and I have talked about this on several occasions, just the idea of like doing a quick survey of your staff on a semi-regular basis as a check-in, as like a pulse check is you get so much good data from just asking a few simple questions, right? Like, yeah. how are you feeling? You can How guess. are you feeling? Oh my gosh. And they're like, wait a minute, you care? Right. <laughs> I mean, I literally had one, one client and I said to him, he was a CEO of a, a, a small, a small business by, and by small, I mean like 60 million a year. Oh yeah. Small. No, yeah. Small business, you know, that's still considered small by mm -hmm. uh, government standards. But I said to him, you, he was having problems. I said, just check on your employees. A simple, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. And don't just say, how are you doing? Actually have done some research to find out the legitimacy of their answer. And when he did this, he thought, oh, that's just stupid. He did this. He found out one of his employees had a child that was going through cancer treatment. And he walked past this woman every single day and didn't even acknowledge the struggle she was going through and the loyalty she had to still show up every single day on time to do her job while her child was going through chemo. And he cried and I said, I am not sympathetic. I am sorry, you get no sympathy from me. You should have known that this was going on. And now what are you going to do? He said, I gotta give her some paid time off. Thank you for having a heart. <laughs> now, let's try to do this differently. And we literally turned this company around because here's the truth. Those companies are those clubs where people want to be, have no clue what we're talking about when we talk about this labor shortage and great resignation. They aren't hemorrhaging people. The people are like beating down their door and I'm like, what is, what is this labor shortage you speak of? We, we, we are not familiar. <laughs> I think that's that's a really great point. And I think it's something, again, we've talked about here before, but when you, as a leader you know, in a business, when you are checking in with your employees and you're recognizing them as whole human beings and not just cogs in the wheel, um, and, and you see them as people who have lives outside of you know, the four walls of your office, I think it, it's hugely impactful um, when you can show them that you value their whole person and not just the, the product that they that they come in and work on every single day. Um, right. You know, and I think that's that's one thing that that makes coming to work feel less like a burden and less like a thing that oh, God, I have to do this because I have bills to pay and it, and more like, yeah, I have bills to pay and I'm coming here to earn a paycheck, but at least I feel good about my time spent here because I know that I'm being supported. And if I need to take, you know, some paid time off to go take care of a kid or another family member or myself, even, you know, if, if my mental health isn't great and I need some time off, I have that support and I know that I don't need to worry. Um, that's, that's hugely impactful in creating a culture in which people want to not just survive, but thrive. So, I mean, I, I love that. And, and we have to recognize, and, and it's a great transition that we have, this is one of the first times in history that we've had five generations in the workplace at once. And when I tell you <laughs> those generations class, Ooh, class yeah. as, when you think about 
their quote unquote work ethic and what they thought you have one generation that thought you come to work and you die at your desk another generation that's saying that is a that is some bs i am going to the beach i am not storing up my vacation time for when i get sick i am vacationing and when i leave my out of office says just that out of office and not this is how you reach me in the case of an emergency as one of my friends say when she when she leaves, she puts PTO, prepare the others, because I am gone. <laughs> I'm stealing that. <laughs> I'm absolutely stealing that because you're right. I think we, I mean, we see that just in, in even in our office, I think we have, you know, several generations that work there and it, the, the philosophy and the mindset is very different. Um, and that's not to say one is more correct than the other. Um, but I think, you know, when the different generations come together to work, kind of have to adjust and honor that <laughs> in and among each other's differences. Absolutely. And when I even when I train on this, I do a lot of training on generations in the workplace. What I tell them, because everybody housed the millennials and the Zers and the newer generation for, you know, oh, they have no loyalty. Oh, all they want to do is break. They don't want to work hard enough. And what I say to them is, first of all, let's be honest with each other. There has never in the history of ever been a generation that looked behind it and said, this coming up generation is awesome. <laughs> they have all said, we're going to die. They're going to kill us all. I don't know how we're going to make it. So let's be clear about that. Your parents said the same thing about you and here we are, right? It's true. The other thing is true. a lot of it is envy and jealousy because you know what? I too thought I don't need to go into that office every day. I too thought my boss doesn't know what she's doing and I could do her job easily. I too thought I don't need to work for five years to get promoted. We're just pissed off that the younger generation had the audacity to say this stuff out loud. Like who didn't tell them that they were supposed to keep that to themselves? I think that's it exactly. I think the jealousy point, it's like the, oh dang, wait, why didn't I do that? Right. Exactly. Yeah, per perpetual suffering. I suffered, so they should have to suffer too. Yes. <laughs> and we, we do it all in the guises of paying your dues. But all of this talk speaks to this labor issue that we have going on. There is a different generation coming in. And how are you making them work? Because no one desires to work harder. That's that old adage, work hard, smarter, not harder. But it's very true. So how can you change your systems to be easier? And oftentimes when we go in and I do consulting with organizations, I realize you don't have a labor shortage, you have a systems failure you haven't put the right systems in place to not need 50 million people to put in a light bulb. Do you know that people are buying light bulbs these days that last like 10 years? Right? We can do this. <laughs> I think that's a great point. I, the idea of, um, you know, maybe it's not a, either a labor shortage or like a um, an issue with people not wanting to work hard enough. It is a systems failure, right? I think working smarter, not harder is something that, you know, we, we collectively, we need to all think about how can we make our workplaces more efficient? And if, mm -hmm. you know, if uh, the idea of, well, you need to be chained to your desk for eight hours a day or you're not working, it's like, well, that's not entirely true because if I can get the all of the work done in a day that I need to get done, but I can do it in six hours instead of eight, or if I can do it in five hours instead of seven and a half, What's the difference? The work Absolutely. is done. The product is still good. It's great quality. You know, the, that that's the question of maybe I'm just a more efficient worker. Why why should I be punished for that? 
Exactly. And managing on outcomes. And even at the club level where you have these people that have to be there. Okay. We have valets, we have chefs, we have this. Okay. So what innovative things can we begin to do to change our processes? We're in the kitchen. What prepping can we do to change our system so we could have a full, instead of having a full day and all we do this yep. day, let's have a night staff that all they do the night before is come in and they prep and that's it. So when we get in tomorrow morning, we don't need a full kitchen of people to do this. What innovative things can we begin to do even about how we communicate? Mm-hmm. We try behind the scenes, we try to make make our clients and customers think that everything is amazing. Members, we're fully staffed and everything will run as usual. People aren't as upset when they know what to expect. Mm-hmm. So if I expect that things are going to run the way they've always run and I don't get that, now we have a problem. But when you say, hey, everyone, these are our peak times. This is our staffing. So if you come at peak times, expect a little bit of a delay. And for your delay, if you come at peak times, coffee on everyone, whatever it is. Sure. You know what I mean? So let's think of innovative ways to live with what we have, as well as how do we communicate with our people what's going on? I love that. I think, I mean, I think it comes down to that communication, right? Like if we communicate expectations and set clear standards, Melissa always comes back to Brene Brown, right? Clear is kind. If we're clear and transparent about what's going on and what we're doing, I mean, I think that removes a lot of hurdles at least for most people anyway, <laughs> somebody, there will always be somebody who finds something to complain about, but for the most part, yeah. you know, if we're clear, we're good. Absolutely. I feel, and there, listen, and that's what happens too. I'm so glad you said that Kyle, that oftentimes what we do is we take that one outlier because listen, 98% of the people are chill, calm, mm-hmm. just regular people. You have your 1% that are angels. These are people that are just a step below God. And then you have your 1% that are just jerks. Yep. I mean, and 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 you're going to get your 1%. What we often do is let that 1% be the face of everything. And so one member complained because it took them that, yes, that's the one jerk you have. I'm sorry. You shouldn't have took their money. Now they're there. Right. <laughs> but 98% of the people you have there are chill. Like, I would like this to be better. The other 1% is like, oh, I... I am Mother Teresa reincarnated and everything is just fine. So don't let the 1% be the voice of everyone else. Agreed. Agreed. I think we, we say that all the time too, you know, and any, any job where you're working with people, it's real easy to let the negativity be the thing that comes to the forefront. Any kind of negative feedback, it's like, yeah, but that was a data point of literally one human who complained Literally. and everyone else was fine. So yes. And they're like, it was horrible. The food was bad. No, one person asked for a medium rare steak, got a medium rare and said, this is well done, sir. It's bleeding. The cow is still mooing. It is not well done. But you know what? I'll let you have that. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Well, we could probably go on forever because I'm having the best time in this conversation. Uh, But I think we do need to wrap it up for today. Otherwise, we're going to give everybody the full session that you're going to talk about and then they won't want to come to conference. So we're just going to give them this little teaser. Um, I'm so excited to have you join us, Deetra. It's going to be so wonderful um, to hear more from you when we're all together in San Diego. I want to say thank you today for sharing your time with us and your wisdom. 
Um, and we're really looking forward to seeing you in California. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it as well. We're going to have an amazing time because I'm just as crazy in person as I am on Wonderful. podcast. Wonderful. Can't wait. Come <laughs> find me. We will hang out. It'll be awesome. <laughs> Drinks on you, Kyle. Drinks on you. I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. I will handle it. Right across from Tijuana. So, I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> All right. Well, Deetra, thank you so, so much. And um, to our listeners, please remember, you can catch her session on Wednesday, February 23rd. And that is in the 8 to 9.30 a.m. session block. And until then, Melissa, did you have anything else you wanted to add? Did I miss anything? Just want to shout out for our folks that might not be going to conference. Uh, check out Dietra's uh, podcast, Happily Ever Employed, a great listen as well. Perfect. All right. Well, that wraps us up for today. Dietra, again, thank you so, so much. We really appreciate your time. Um, and we'll, we'll see you in California. So World Conference has so many great opportunities, including a whole host of workshops and experiences. Earlier, Jeff talked about some really cool places, meaderies, kombucherias. That's a new word. Kombucheria. Uh, <laughs> and um, World Conference offers a great opportunity on Friday, February 18th to visit Ballast Point. Uh, so the Ballast Point experience is going to cover all your food and beverage uh, interest and include tasting and it includes transportation to and from the San Diego Marriott. So you're going to get an opportunity to go on site to Ballast Point, experience, taste, eat, and really get an update um, from an amazing craft beer and hard seltzer business um, and trends. So you know, if you're not familiar with Ballast Point, it is a pioneering brewery born 25 years ago, um, originally in San Diego's home brew mart, uh, which is now uh, moved out to this location. So talking about some hoppy twist, a little bit of porter, all about adding four types of malt to its amber ale, um, as well as tasting its award winning, uh, gold medal award winning um, Shulpin IPA. So Ooh, we know how favorite. exciting you know, we know that your members are looking for these amazing craft beers and hard seltzers and really that whole different dimension um, when it comes to alcohol. And it's a great opportunity to learn more. So uh, if you go and you complete it, it's for CMI credits, which is always good. Um, and it's an all-inclusive day of fun. So 830 to 4 o'clock p.m. Uh, Pacific time. So check that out as well as the many other uh, pre-conference workshops. We've got rallying club leaders around best practices resulting in relevant and enduring clubs. That's presented by the Club Leadership Alliance, which includes Copland, Keebler, and Wallace, McMahon Group, Club Benchmarking, all very important CMA partners. That's also available all day Friday. Um, and we also, don't forget the books, Bicycle, Bicycle Chautauqua. <laughs> that's a great opportunity that starts Thursday and continues through Saturday. If you like to bike and be outside, I mean, San Diego in February, you really, it's probably the best biking the best, weather ever. Yeah, I was going to say it's the best place to do it, honestly. So take advantage. And, you know, don't forget um, on Saturday, we have a four hour workshop with GGA Partners, also a CMA partner, on planning your work and working your plan, how to develop your sound strategy and formulate a winning strategic plan. And don't forget, at conference, we have the Yacht Club Manager Symposium, which is going to take place at San Diego Yacht Club and include a sale. 
So there's a lot of really cool things built into that. So check out uh, conference.org, I'm sorry, cma.org backslash conference. Check out our education tab so you can uh, add some additional education to your experience. Absolutely. And one other, um, you know, something we've talked about a couple of times on the podcast already that's very important annually uh, at CMA is our board elections. Um, Online voting for CMA's national board is open now and it will be open until February 18th. So that is the day before conference starts. If you want to just get your voting done now, you can. It's very easy. You go online, you request your code and you get it done. Check, done, easy peasy. However, if you plan to vote um, on site in person at World Conference, that will be available to you as well. Um, if you head to cmaa.org vote, you can learn more about the four candidates this year that are running for the National Board of Directors. Um, and you can just take a little perusal, learn more about each of them, and uh, make your make your selections. For your information, there are three three-year terms available and one one-year term available this year. And election results will be tabulated and announced at the closing business session at World Conference, so we won't find out until the end of the week but you do have between now and then to cast your vote whether it's online or in person please make sure you take care of that obviously voting is a very important part of our association it gives you a voice it gives you a chance to exercise your your very important privilege we'll call it a privilege (laughs) absolutely absolutely so please take care of that (laughs) absolutely that wraps us up for this month but we're not done Uh, We had some great interviews earlier this week, and our next January episode is going to feature wellness, which, you know, a lot of people make New Year's resolutions about wellness. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk a little bit more with some experts in the wellness uh, field, Um, Kim Dorsey and Kim Marshall, along with our colleague, uh, Catherine Lord from the Club Spa and Fitness Association. And we're going to have a preview about the amazing health and wellness opportunities that are going to be available at conference, both for you to learn more about wellness and for you to partake in some wellness opportunities. So stay tuned. We'll talk to you again uh, later this month. Until then, take care. Be well. I'm Kyle. That's Melissa. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Let's Talk Club Management podcast is a podcast of the Club Management Association of America. Since 1927, CMAA has been the largest professional association for managers of membership clubs throughout the U.S. and internationally. The objectives of the association are to promote relationships between club management professionals and other similar professions, to encourage the education and advancement of members, and to provide the resources needed for efficient and successful club operations. Under the covenants of professionalism, education, leadership, and community, CMAA continues to extend its reach as the leader in the club management practice. CMAA is headquartered in Alexandria, Virginia, with more than 40 professional chapters and more than 40 student chapters and colonies. Please learn more at www.cmaa.org. Dot org.